This is Alumni Loud, a podcast by Graduate Center students for Graduate Center students. In each episode, we talk with a GC graduate about their career path, the ins and outs of their current position, and the career advice they have for students. This series is sponsored by the Graduate Center's Office of Career Planning and Professional Development. I'm Sarah Hildebrand. I'm a PhD candidate in English at the Graduate Center and a fellow in the Office of Career Planning and Professional Development. In this episode of Alumni Loud, I interviewed Evan Dawson, who graduated from our PhD program in psychology with a concentration in experimental psychology and law, and is now a senior UX researcher at Robinhood. She's going to be talking to us about how she pivoted into the fields of tech and finance, the collaborative research she gets to do at Robinhood, and the importance of finding a career that aligns with your values. So to get us started, Evan, would you mind giving us an overview of Robinhood's mission and what your role is there? Sure. Robinhood is a mobile-first brokerage, and they pioneered commission-free trading of stocks, options, ETFs, and cryptocurrencies uh, towards their mission. And there, I largely mean our founders, Vlad uh, Tenev and Bejubat whose mission and our mission is to democratize finance for all. So we do that by making investing more approachable with digestible news and education, as well as just more accessible in terms of an easy to use platform, no commissions and products like fractional shares, for example. And what exactly do you do at Robinhood? I am a UX researcher and UX research, so I'm on two teams really. I'm on the research team where I am responsible for technical program management of our in-product contextual surveys. I'm also a mentor on the team and also a talent steward, which means I do a lot of hiring (laughs) and interviewing candidates. And those those are some of my core roles on the research team. I'm also on a product team because UX research is product research. And there I collaborate with product managers, UX designers, content strategists, data scientists, engineers, product operations, market operations, lawyers, compliance, finance, and business (laughs) teams. Very cross-functional. We all work together to to build products, build investing products. I work on our core investing product. So it was on the team that built fractional shares, for example. And UX research is about foundational research where it's not necessarily tied to a product yet, but it's broader research on like people's financial lives, their goals, their sort of investing mindsets and psychology. And that kind of research helps inform what products we should build and our roadmaps. I also do iterative and design research where I'll be testing prototypes with customers doing sort of design concepts, usability, or more exploratory design research as well, sort of co-creation sessions with, with customers. And then there's also evaluative research. So once we've actually shipped this product, is it being received? Is it easy to use? Is it meeting our customers' needs, solving the problems that we hope to solve for them? So kind of more following up and seeing where we can improve the product. Wow. Sounds like you're doing a little bit of everything there and probably using a lot of different skills on a daily basis. 
Yes, yes, for sure. It's uh, we're sort we still have a startup mentality in our relatively young company, so there's a lot of white space. Yeah, but that can be exciting because you can kind of shape things a little bit more than at a more established corporation. Absolutely, it's one of the best parts of my job. Oh, well, that's good. What is your favorite part of your job? I think so that the white space, the value of even like foundational research, which are sort of bigger, meatier questions, but also the the creative and technical sides of it when you're doing like design research, for example, or working with data science on experiments. My favorite part of the job is probably besides just the work itself is that when, when my product team meets with leadership, like the CEO and, and other executives of the company, and we update them on what we're doing and how we got there. The first question that's usually asked is what are our customers saying about this? And that's usually coming from the CEO. And that's a question that I take as the voice of the customer. And I, and that's my favorite part of the job because it just sort of reflects the value and visibility of research at Robinhood. There is nothing that we release that isn't thoroughly researched um, with our customers. And I, I really appreciate and value that, that our company puts our customers at the center and forward always. Their input and their feedback is the most important when we're building products. Yeah, that seems really important to building really great products for consumers and for keeping good relations amongst your stakeholders as well. Absolutely. Yep. Everybody's participating in the process and in the research process. So doing all the things that you do, what does a typical day look like? How much time are you spending in meetings versus doing the research? Yeah, that's a great question. It's I, I think I'm going to say more like a typical week <laughs> yeah, um, because Mondays and Fridays are typically more about meetings where I'm meeting with my research teams and sub teams and we're just updating each other on projects and kind of sharing work in progress, talking about what we're thinking about questions we have and, and getting advice and feedback from each other and then meetings with all of my product stakeholders. So that could be just sort of stand-ups or retrospectives where we're just sharing our goals for the week, our timelines, what our teammates can expect from each other. And then that's kind of Mondays and Fridays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. One thing I appreciate about Robinhood is that we have no meetings Wednesdays. So that's my head's downtime for the most part, but I always have meaningful work blocks typically on, on Tuesdays and Thursdays as well. And that's where I'm spending a lot of time in like design reviews, working with UX designers and content strategists, as well as product managers and, and data scientists, most often just going through the concepts we're thinking about, the rationale behind them, and starting to work towards building prototypes and, and figuring out the research planning around design, as well as any legal constraints we might have. And then, and then otherwise just research whatever phase I'm in, if it's planning, it's meeting with all my stakeholders to make sure that the research is going to meet their goals and answer their questions. It might be fielding or data collection. I've launched a survey or I'm running interviews or something like that, or I could be in analyses, synthesizing qual data or, or survey feedback or, or something using stats. 
and or I could be in the reporting phase where I'm kind of putting together a presentation for for people so that I can share my research widely. Great. So you mentioned that you have meetings where you're really updating each other on your progress when you're yeah. doing the hands on research. Is that mostly independently or is that also a collaborative process? That's also a, a very collaborative process, which is unique in I don't know if it's unique necessarily to tech, but it was a first for me when I came when I came into tech. Everybody's involved. So obviously the the role of a user researcher is to bring the voice of the customer to the table front and center, making sure that everybody knows how the customer the customer's perspective, and then they adapt that to their their relative functions. So it's really important that everybody participates in the planning process. So I'll be sharing plans, scripts, surveys, whatever, whatever I'm sort of drafting or working on. And then I, I share it with everybody and get their feedback. Um, and we have meetings about that. And then they also join user research sessions. So typically when I'm maybe interviewing a customer, the designers, content strategists, product managers are always in the room and typically data scientists and engineers and leadership are also in the room. That's really great to know. And that sounds exciting because I think that one thing a lot of graduate students struggle with is that the research process is very isolating. Yeah. So it's nice to know that if you do really enjoy research, there are other ways of doing it if you find the right place. Absolutely. It's really beneficial too, because when you're isolated and, and sort of siloed, like you're not getting a lot of feedback and new perspectives on your research. In academia, it's often perspectives of people that are very embedded in your world already as well. So it's great to engage with people in all sorts of different roles with all sorts of different perspectives and needs during the, the planning and, and actual research like process. And they also help with even like synthesizing and making sense of the data too. There really isn't much of the process that while I'm driving it, I'm doing alone. Yeah, I totally agree with that method too, because I think you're right that academia can often be an echo chamber. So yeah. it is always great to have those outside perspectives come in and have them all mesh together. Yeah, and it's also how you get buy-in. You know, like if, if you want your research to be valued by people, it's really helpful uh, to have them engaged and feeling like they're a part of that process and a part of that outcome and, and it's shared. Yeah, for sure. How did you come to be interested in the field? Because I think not many people make the connection between psych and law and finance. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the, the, what I sort of saw at first was more technology and UX. So I actually started out in tech at, an, at a creative agency working for a Google cloud product. And my, my users were IT decision makers. And I was like, just, just very, very different. But what drew me to it was really the stakeholders and the product development process I thought was super interesting because you have people in all sorts of different functions, like the ones I mentioned before, that really span like the creative and, and technical ends. And, and you're working on products that are 
potentially used by millions of people. So the impact feels very real and very, very big. I also like how fast it paced it seemed. But yeah, the to me, fundamentally, it was about a really interesting way to apply psychology to design. So that was kind of the the interest that that started to draw me into tech. And then I just was learning so much. I got really into it and stayed and, and eventually found an even better suited uh, field for me, which was, which was finance and Robin Hood, which is, which felt like a kind of kindred spirit to me. Cause I was not interested in finance before at all. I had, I thought about wall street and I graduated in 2008 into a financial disaster. <laughs> so yeah, joining Wall Street was certainly not a, an interest of mine until I started to realize how important as a 30-something-year-old woman, how important it is to be where you feel like you should be in your financial life. And so when I found Robinhood, and this company that was trying to democratize access to finance and make it easier for people, including women and just historically underrepresented groups. It, it just, yeah, that felt like it really aligned with my values and my interests and, and all kind of came together. Yeah, it seems like there's almost a little bit of a social justice lean. Absolutely. It was founded after like 2008 and or inspired, I guess, by Occupy Wall Street in 2008 and all of those events when our founders realized that that huge firms were making tons of money off of commissions and paying very little to execute the trades. And, and so just trying to make that more accessible for people, because if you're spending $8 each trade you place, that's, that's prohibitively expensive for probably the majority of, of Americans. Yeah, that's really cool. I didn't know that that's where Robin Hood came from. Yeah. What do you think it was about graduate school that helped set you up for success in making this kind of career transition? <laughs> um, it, it was the skills and expertise I developed. My training was extremely valuable because I was trained in the scientific method. I was trained in psychology and developed an expertise in subjects like memory and communication and understanding of bias, which are all so important in research and life. My expertise was in interviewing and interrogation, which became very relevant when I became an interviewer, qualitative researcher myself, or mixed methods. So yeah, so the, the methods I developed, learning statistics, learning how to think like a scientist, how to identify research questions that are important, how to operationalize them, how to write, all, all of those things were really important and valuable skills. What was your dissertation on, out of curiosity? My dissertation was on implicit influence in intelligence interviews. It was funded by the High Value Detainee Interrogation Group. It's an interagency organization that is housed at the FBI. And it was a group of, or is a group of researchers and practitioners. So like interrogators and actual intelligence interviewers, and law enforcement, 
and scientists from all around the world that study interviewing, persuasion, negotiation, communications, all sorts of related topics. And we work together to help improve our scientific understanding of interviewing and interrogation and develop actual like trainings and influence policy to make sure that the interviewing interrogation techniques that are used by law enforcement and the intelligence community are scientifically supported. Do you feel like you still get to draw on that particular research experience in your current work or in other positions you've held? Yeah, I do. Um, it took a while to figure that out, but it's my, so my actual dissertation, I guess I talked more about the, the HIG, but my actual dissertation was on the room design. So how does an interview room design itself influence somebody's willingness or like forthcomingness in an investigation? And it was grounded in a theoretical framework of conceptual metaphors. And basically that metaphors are not just a like literary device, but they are really central to our cognitive architecture and the way that we understand and ground more abstract concepts. So taking an abstract concept like openness, openness with information, for example, that's more literal form could be operationalized as like a bigger space or some sort of symbols of openness in your physical environment, like a window, <laughs> for example. And so working with that theory and seeing a lot of scientific support that the physical setting can actually influence this more abstract concept. I, I, yeah, I put people in some shady situations and I had them interviewed in different types of rooms. And one was a sort of prototypical police interrogation room, small, closed, two-way mirror, that, that sort of deal. And the other was a just actually larger room with a bigger table and windows and some pictures of open spaces on the walls and all of those symbols of openness actually influenced people's disclosure. They actually were more forthcoming with details about that shady situation I put them in than people that were interviewed in a most more closed space who were actually more sort of closed up and withholding. That's super interesting. There's a relationship between environment and narrative, basically, that yes. is enacted in these situations. Yeah, and it, and it makes sense, right? Like we talk about people in terms of actually physical experience, like you're a warm person or I got the chills from them. You know, we talk about people like when they're talking, when they're providing information, we talk about them being open. So yeah, it was a, it was a really interesting theory. I saw a practical application and it, it eventually became relevant in the sense that I learned a lot about implicit influence that I think is just applicable pretty much every day and everywhere in life. So I'm always mindful about the context my participants are coming into, how I'm setting them up, what I might be inadvertently influencing. So I, I do think about those things a lot more. Yeah. Yeah, that research does seem really relevant to what you're doing now. So your research in graduate school was helpful. And then also learning about the research process was helpful. You're using a lot of the skills over and over again. Absolutely. 
So I think you'll have a good answer to this question because you mentioned earlier that you've been on hiring committees or you've been in charge of that process. Yeah. So if other graduate students are looking to come into similar roles or even work at Robinhood, what would you tell them to start doing now to make their resume stand out? What are you looking for in a candidate? So I'll just speak to UX research specifically. What we are looking for are candidates who are rigorous in their study design and and research process throughout the research process and rigor is really kind of refers to or comes from scientific training so i think that psychology and a lot of social sciences are very relevant and showing that you've been trained in that research process in the scientific method you can understand potential threats to the validity of your study and your conclusions, you know how to anticipate and mitigate bias, those sorts of things are, are signals of rigor in your methodology. And that's in terms of like a skill set, it's, it's not just about can this person interview, can this person design surveys or whatever it might be, but are they rigorous in their, in their process? And so that that I think comes most from training. So I would advise, I guess, I'm totally biased towards psych majors, but <laughs> I would advise majoring or at least minoring, depending on where you are in your journey, in a social science. And, or, you know, you, you also, you don't need to get a PhD. Like if you're interested in going to grad school, I think a master's in psychology, human computer action, interaction, and those kinds of fields are also very valuable in terms of training rigorous training. The other things that we're looking for are like storytelling ability. I didn't realize how important that is. And it, it took me, and it takes a long time to really develop. Actually, it's very hard to, to become good at storytelling, but that is really important so that you can, you can make sense of your findings for non-technical audiences. So you can share a sort of high level and you can share, you know, the goals are clear and what to do with this research is clear because the story is clear. And then for the research audiences, more technical audiences, it's where that, that rigor and training comes in is most important. So I think those are two of the most important areas. Obviously, we are also interviewing, though, for communication and collaboration skills. Are you self-aware? Do you learn from mistakes? Are you coachable? Do you seem like a good teammate? You know, those kinds of things. Do you understand everybody's role on the team? Those are all, those are all also very important aspects. And then, and to some extent, and this one's more learnable, but a product sense, kind of understanding business and, and products. Great. That's a really strong articulation, I think, of what you're looking for and of a bunch of skills that our graduate students probably do have, but they might not realize it because they're so yeah. used to thinking, I research, I write, and I teach. But they can also do a lot of other things. Absolutely. Thinking about your own career journey, how did you move from graduate school into your current position? Um, so I wasn't as proactive as I think I should have been, because I was not really sure what I wanted to do, to be honest, when I graduated. I was just pretty sure it wasn't academia, but I didn't know what was out there. So I kind of just 
took what came my way more easily, which was I was networking and just getting to know other researchers through the Hague group that I was working with. And one of them went to graduate school with somebody that is a trial consultant and she introduced me to him. And so I thought that trial consulting would be like a pretty natural fit for a psychology and law person. And there were some people from my program that ended up as trial consultants, but I joined. So that's just where I started. It's like, okay, sounds good. And it didn't really align with my values. Didn't feel like a great fit for me. It wasn't really quite so much about using psychology. It was, it was doing like market research for litigation. And the part that I was a little concerned about was that I felt like I was using psychology to influence jurors for the benefit of corporate defendants who are on trial typically for uh, neglecting to warn or protect their employees from asbestos dangers or failing to warn or protect the public from the dangers of certain pharmaceuticals or employers that are discriminating against employees for various reasons. So I didn't feel really well aligned with the side I was typically working for. <laughs> so I left uh, the field and then continued my academic work and was sort of very seriously considering going back into academia which always felt like very meaningful work to me. But I, I ended up discovering uh, user research and tech along the way. And so tried that first and, and, and it, was a, it was a great fit. Yeah, you bring up something really important that I think graduate students or job candidates in general don't always think about, which is the idea of values and do they align with the mission of this organization? very important in addition to thinking about what the job is and what you need to do also how are you going to feel while you're doing it exactly it's it's one of the things i sort of wish i had reflected on more you know everything from the values of the the company or the group people you're working with and for the company culture you know and and the types of people you're spending your time around i love spending time around researchers I didn't love spending time around really stressed out lawyers. <laughs> they, you know, it's just, it, it's, you have to ask yourself, like, what kind of people do I want to surround myself with 50 hours a week? And you have to appreciate the sort of stressors that they face because it does, you know, sort of vibe off and it's, it's part of your working relationship. And that was, that was really challenging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And we're almost already coming to the end of our time. So the last question that we usually like to ask our alumni is if you have any advice for current students, whether they're in the psych and law program or in graduate school at large, is there anything you tell them to do now or that you wish you'd known while you were in grad school? Yeah, definitely. Thanks for asking this. A lot of feedback that I tend to give and, and mentoring that I do. Well, one thing I just want to make a shout out to UX coffee hours for any students that are interested in UX research, UX design, content strategy. And I think it's, it's growing. It's a small mentorship group. We actually, I think we have like a hundred mentors now, but check it out online. There are a lot of people in the field that are giving their time to help people with everything from resume review to mock interviews um, or just career guidance and advice 
or if you're already working in the field, what you might want to do to level up or, or whatever. But I think some of the things that I would say are one, some basics, your resume structure, put your experience and skills at the top, <laughs> make them very noticeable because people don't spend more than a half a minute reading your resume. I wish they did, but it's, it's a, it's a sort of practical reality. Another thing about resumes that I often see, it took me a long time to see as well and figure out for myself was that be very careful about the words you use to describe your experience. And I would advise using words that are not just about the sort of tactical contributions, but the strategic potential and contributions of your work. So where you see words like I assisted with or executed this. Think about using words like I created this, I drove this, I led this, I informed this, you know, those kinds of those kinds of words can make a really powerful difference in the framing of your experience. Another is interviewing is its own skill and takes a lot of practice. Don't get discouraged. I got rejected by so many companies. It was hard. And, and even when I made it to on-sites and, and through technical screens, it was like, I still wasn't doing well until I'd done it many times. So find somebody to do some mock interviews with you, practice before you, before you go in. Also, um, don't be afraid to reach out to people. And, you know, like I reached out to some pretty random people, like, siblings and of friends and, and people I didn't know well at all, but everyone's been there. Everyone's been on the job market in the hunt and everybody's willing to help. Another thing is know your value. And if you don't necessarily know, or you're starting in a new field, ask people. I have never had anybody tell me that they were uncomfortable sharing their salary and compensation details with me. And I think it's so important, especially for women to to make sure that they're asking those questions of others. So, I mean, it's important for everybody, but definitely don't be shy. And, you know, somebody says no, fine, ask somebody else. But people are willing to help each other out in that way. So don't be shy about that. Referrals are really important to getting your application surfaced in companies that, that have a high volume of applications. So another just sort of thing, like just don't be afraid to reach out and find that second or third connection on LinkedIn or, or whoever might be able to, you know, do an informational interview with you and submit your resume internally. Yeah. And I guess the other thing, one other thing that I've seen that's been very interesting and clever is students volunteering with university orgs. So I'm sure at CUNY, there are programs and institutes and different organizations that are like building websites or need help with that. That's an opportunity to do user research and get a portfolio or a case study. So I would, I would look around CUNY and see maybe anything you see for website improvements or you're kind of in the know that some, some institute is building an app or anything like that. There's always universities doing things like that. I think they're very open to having volunteer researchers to help them with that process. So that's, that's usually a really great way to get a little bit of experience in UX. Great. I think that's really great advice. Pay attention to your job documents. An academic CV is very different from a resume. 
Yeah. Making sure that you're highlighting your work experience in the right way, making sure that yeah. you practice your interviewing skills, not getting discouraged if you are not getting the job every time after an interview. Uh, I think networking, always great to plug networking because that is how a lot of people find jobs by making those connections. Uh, and yeah, I think that is all great advice for our students to kind of keep in mind. So I do want to thank you for coming in today and for sharing all of your experience with us. It was really exciting to hear about your work and I hope we get to talk again soon. I do too, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I think what you're doing is awesome and I'm always here to help. Feel free to share. My, my email is evancdawson at gmail.com or you can find me on LinkedIn. Definitely any students that want to reach out, I'm, I'm happy to help them with their own journey. Thank you so much. We really appreciate that. Thanks again to Evan for coming in to talk to us about how she's put her PhD to work. The Office of Career Planning and Professional Development can help you decide what career path is right for you. Find a list of our upcoming events or make an appointment to speak with one of our career advisors at cuny.is careerplan. You can also follow us on Twitter at careerplangc. Thanks for listening.